You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 960 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday morning. And today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store to find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's show will mostly center on an interview that I did with Lucas Hahn of 213 Hoops. Lucas covers the Clippers very well, and I wanted to reach out to him for some insight on Lou Williams after the Rondo Williams trade from last week. That is a sort of a continuation of what I've been doing on this podcast. For long-time listeners that may, may recognize this, I've had local experts on the pod to talk about new additions to the Hawks, dating back to Gallinari and Rondo last summer and Bogdanovich. So Lucas was gracious enough to hop on the podcast and shed some light on the way that Lou's been playing this year and beyond. So that's coming up momentarily. Before that, though, some news to hit on and a look ahead to the Suns game on Tuesday. The NBA announced on Monday that the draft is now set for July 29th. Um, that's about what you would expect for the fact that the league also has announced previously that the finals are scheduled to end at the very latest on July 22nd. That's a pretty normal calendar. Um, the draft is usually within a week or two of the end of the, of the finals, so that all makes sense. I will say there's a little bit of a, of a wrinkle here that the Olympics are supposed to start on July 25th for the basketball side. So that's going to be interesting, having that going on at the same time as the draft. And the league has not said anything about Summer League just yet. I got a couple questions about that today, actually, from some fans. But I'm not sure about that or if it will be the same format. But the draft date is now set. In fact, the draft lottery is also set on June 22nd. I think Hawks fans are hoping that that's not going to be a huge factor for the Hawks this time around. After several years in the lottery, the Hawks are projected at this moment to make the playoffs. So that will not be a factor if that's the case. But alas, that date is now available. And the draft combine is scheduled right now for June 21 through 27. So keep all of that in mind. Mark your calendars, and we'll touch on that more, obviously, in the very near future. As for the game on Tuesday, the Hawks are in Phoenix. They're actually already there now. They touched down earlier today on Monday. It's a 10 o'clock start on Tuesday in Phoenix, and this is the game that was rescheduled after being postponed in the first half. The Hawks were actually in Phoenix and didn't play because of a protocol issue with the Suns. Uh, before the uh, before the break, so Phoenix is awesome this year. That's kind of the top line thought here. The Suns are thirty one and fourteen overall. They're twenty three and six in their last twenty nine games, so they're playing great basketball. As of Monday, they're eighth in the league in offense, third in defense, and third yes, third in net rating. They are really really good this year. They're not like dominant in any one area, but they're really really balanced in a pretty effective way. And the one thing that I will say is their second unit, led by Dario Sarge at center, has been just kind of bludgeoning people all year long. They have a plus 16 net rating when Saric plays for the season, and that's uh, pretty crazy. But they're top five in the league in field goal percentage, two-point shooting, free-throw shooting, assists, and turnovers on offense. Defensively, they're pretty good at everything, honestly, other than forcing turnovers. So not a lot of weaknesses to attack here. Of course, they're led by Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and they're pretty healthy as well. In fact, the only guy that's listed as out right now for the Suns is Abdul Nader, so they are kind of just cooking right now. A tough matchup for the, as a result of that for the Hawks. As a reminder, the Hawks are 11th in offense, 22nd in defense after the loss in Denver on Sunday. They're still 9th in net rating, but they're actually closing in in a bad way to uh, 10 and 11 with Boston and Dallas. As I said before, the injury report for Phoenix is pretty clean in this game. The Hawks are uh, still listing DeAndre Hunter as questionable with Chris Dillon and Cam Reddish 
out of the lineup. Um, the athletic Chris Kirster of the Athletic wrote a story. I talked to a doctor about Hunter's knee um, and what, what could be happening there. That's, that's available to read on that on that site. But also, he quoted Travis Schlenk as saying on Sunday night that there's not any long term connection between Hunter's swelling and that he'll be. Uh, um, there's no there's no real, I, I guess, concern long term there. He's day to day of sorts. And then McMillan said on Monday evening that he gave Hunter a 60 to 70 percent chance to play on Tuesday for whatever, that, whatever that's worth kind of an interesting um, range there from McMillan but listen to this question more right now we'll see if he plays on Tuesday but at least it's not going to be ruled out for any length of time at this moment in time so there you go on that and then Lou Williams as, as we'll get to momentarily um, is actually off the injury report entirely he was listed as not with the team on Sunday now he's with the team or at least was scheduled to be arriving in Phoenix on Monday night so um, I'm not sure if he'll, if he'll play or not. In fact, McMillan said he's going to be meet, meeting with Lou upon arrival on Monday to, I guess, discuss some stuff. So we'll see what happens there. But um, now he'll be with the team, not on the injury report, and we'll see how they elect to treat that in his potential first game with the team on Tuesday. Okay, we'll have Lucas Hahn in a moment to discuss Lou Williams and much more. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or your favorite sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start and join conversations about the league, and you'll find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to all the biggest news and rumors. You can even find lots on hosts across MLB, NBA, and the NHL, including some of our big-name folks. In fact, I know for a fact the Hollinger Duncan podcast has been on there, um, recording live and then sharing that on their podcast platform. All kinds of our hosts are up and down the channels. You can find them in the Locked On rooms, and you definitely should go ahead and check that out now. In fact... Go download the free Locker Room app, currently available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any of the conversations about the NFL, MLB, and NHL, in addition to the NBA, for all the latest league updates. I know you'll find incredible rooms about your favorite teams in your leagues, and I'll be sure to let you know once there are even more rooms going on from the Locked On team. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I am joined now by a genuine Clippers expert, Editor, I think, of some sort at Two and Three Hoops, Lucas Hannes here. Hello, sir. I I am here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, we're actually talking on Saturday. It's not going to run until early next week, but uh, it was time to get someone to shed some light on Lou Williams. You know, I've I've watched Lou play for a long time. People might not know this. this um, I'm, I guess I'm revealing this now on the podcast, but I, I played against Lou a few times in high school. We're from the same county, and he's. Uh, he was we're basically the exact same age too, so I've kind of followed Lou for a long time. But he's been with Clippers the last four seasons, and uh, I wanted to bring somebody on that's seen him play a lot more recently than I have. Uh, and most of the time, we'll spend talking about Lou in particular. But I do want to start here, Lucas. W- what did you make of the trade itself? And I will not add any of my thoughts until after you're done. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's a bad value trade for the Clippers, you know. Um, and I think the Clippers probably think that Rajon Rondo will do something for them at some point in a Western Conference final series against the Lakers that is, you know, different and marginally more than what Lou Williams would do for them in that series. And they think that that's worth kind of whatever whatever price you're willing to pay. But just from a, uh, you know, straight up trade, NBA trade analysis perspective, the Hawks got the better player on the friendlier contract and cash and draft picks so like there's not there's really no other angle through which the clippers could have lost this trade (laughs) like they couldn't have done worse they're like 
maybe they could have given another second round pick. I don't know. Yeah, that's essentially what I said. I got I got some pushback from some people, but most of most of the uh, I think objective reaction was kind of what you just said. And uh, you know, the theory I guess behind it is that the Clippers are buying playoff Rondo, whatever that means to whoever it yeah. is talking about. And he was you know pretty good last year in the playoffs for the Lakers, but. As someone who watched him up close and personal this year in Atlanta, that that guy wasn't around, but we kind of knew that. I talked to Lakers people before the season started. Everyone kind of expected that to happen, uh, not in the regular season. And he'd flash every once in a while. He'd have a, he'd have a good few minutes. But uh, yeah, I think that's the general consensus. Like, I'm not someone that's always over the moon on every move, and I had a hard time doing anything but praising the move from the Hawks side, kind of like the same for the same reasons and in the opposite direction that you just did, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's exactly... Even if Lou Williams had retired, I mean... Rondo wasn't doing anything for the Hawks and they were going to pay him seven and a half million next year. So they've increased flexibility and they added a couple free picks. I mean, the only thing you could say is that they shouldn't have signed him in the first place to that deal. But <laughs> yes, I did. But, say that. <laughs> uh, considering that they have already done that, uh, this was about as, as good of a, I mean, you would think like you would probably think from the Hawks perspective that this is the type of trade that you would have to give up a second round pick to move off of that money next season. And instead they got draft assets. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you kind of made the point there for, uh, about Lou potentially retiring, and he kind of admitted that on Instagram right after the trade. And as we're talking right now, over the weekend, he's not reported to the team yet, although he's going to at some point by all indications. I think I agree with you. I think the Hawks would have done the trade, well, at least I would have advocated for the trade anyway, even if Lou was not going to report. I'm sure the Hawks mm-hmm. may, may not have done that because they seem to value Rondo more than you and I do. But it's interesting to even just think about that. Like you're kind of getting Lou for free under that guys. It's kind of uh, just weird to think that. And we'll talk about him as a player for sure. But um, the Hawks are trying to compete, which makes it more interesting. I think just overall, because if this was last year or two years ago when the Hawks were in still in their full rebuild, it would have been a pure asset trade. It still kind of is now, but they also want, they also want Lou on the court basically. So that's sort of a good bridge to get into what he brings because in Atlanta, He's essentially coming in as a backup point guard, which he's done at times. Um, but what do you make of that framing? Like, does that strike you as odd? Does that strike you as a normal thing for him to be doing at this point in his career, knowing that obviously they have Trey Young? And most people don't think that that's a great pairing together. So it's he's basically just backing up Trey with a little bit of, uh, I guess, occasionally playing with him, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that Lou and Trey are... Uh, well suited to share the floor together. But what I will say is that Lou Williams, uh, you know, and a lot of people seem to th- seem to think like the Clippers need to get a real backup point guard because Lou Williams is a shooting guard, not a point guard. But Lou Williams has been the Clippers, you know, whatever you want to say a point guard is, Lou Williams has been the Clippers' best pick and roll playmaker for the last four years. So if your definition of, a, I, you know, maybe your definition of a point guard is something different, but if you're thinking NBA teams basically run like, a pick and roll every single possession and you need someone who's going to be the ball handler who's going to come off the screen be a threat to score get into the paint make like make a good pass to the roll man or make, read the defense when the help comes and find the open shooter in either corner Lou Williams has been the best clipper at doing that for each of the last four seasons and so I think you know really if you're talking like you need someone for you know kind of 16 minutes a game when Trey isn't the guy who's doing that Lou is Lou is pretty good at it yeah, that's kind of the theory, I think. And, you know, that's something that, that Travis Schlenk talked about when he did his sort of uh, post-deadline press conference, and this is kind of what I was thinking already, but just the fact that the Hawks haven't had that kind of player. You know, even you know Rondo was brought in as a backup point guard, caretaker type, 
they praise his veteran savvy, all this stuff, but he's not a pick and roll operator at, at this mm-hmm. point. Like he kind of, he's a ball mover. He's a good passer still, but he's not someone who's going to, you know, create a lot of offense, you know, in, a, in that pick and roll setting. And I think the Hawks acknowledged, Schleich at least did on the record, that they kind of have missed that. And Lou is, you know, if nothing else, he's much better at that than Rondo. Uh, that's obviously, I, th- I think, his strength. Would you say that overall is that that's kind of Lou's, you know, bread and butter still at this point of his career, is just kind of operating in the pick and roll? Yeah, I mean, he's a pick and roll ball handler. And I think he's probably even better at that than like just kind of straight up isolation scoring. Um, just in terms of how he has aged, especially this season, he's taken a step back. Just kind of the you know, kind of jabs, like he he's going to jab step to his right, take two dribbles to his left and shoot an 18 foot fadeaway. Um, and it has been harder for him to get to that spot this year. And he's been less like significantly less efficient from that spot this year. But when you get him actually in the pick and roll, going to his right, turning the corner, getting into the paint and shooting from like, you know, eight to 10 feet or dumping the ball off, uh, that's where he's really in his element. Like he creates, Evita Zubats is a great weapon for the Clippers as a kind of big body, sets good screens, seals off, gets position, rolls to the rim and finishes. And Lou Williams creates more of Evita Zubats's high efficiency shots than any other Clipper. Yeah, that that seems to track. And uh, I do want to ask you some more stuff about his offense and uh, also the defense, which is a curious point. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action today. Even without football, for a little while longer, you're, there's plenty to wager on, including the NBA, of course. College basketball is in full swing, both men's and women's right now, and the NHL is also happening. You have golf, you have soccer, you have tennis, auto racing, UFC, all that kind of stuff is available for you at betonline.ag, and BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds are present, and you have props on almost anything you can imagine right now at BetOnline, and BetOnline has you covered for all your news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today. And if you do that, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code, and that is promo code Locked On. Yes, that is 50% free cash and a welcome bonus with promo code Locked On. One more time, promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market, and for me, the best-tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar is amazing in that it's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, it tastes great, and has 100% chocolate on all of its bars. And now, it's time to find out which Built Bar is the absolute best. It is Built Bar Madness, and there is a bracket for your voting pleasure, your viewing pleasure, all of that stuff at BuiltBar.com. Also, you can find it at bar underscore built on Twitter. Today's matchup as part of Built Bar Madness is Cookies and Cream against Cookie Dough Chunk. And while I do enjoy Cookie Dough Chunk, Cookies and Cream is my all-time favorite probably, at least on the very, very short list as I've always shared on this podcast. So I have to lean in that direction personally. But if you have different thoughts, feel free to share them at BuiltBar.com. Also, when you go there, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order with Built Bar. That is LOCKED15, 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com, and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. All right, Lucas, uh, we talked about pick-and-roll stuff. I want to make this point and see if you agree. It's loose, kind of a, you know, he's been around for so long, people kind of forget this, but he was one of the first, like, small 
guards that was known for this, but he's a guy who's been kind of a bad two-point shooter his entire career and still maintained efficiency because he got to the line a lot. And he's one of those very early adopting, like, I don't want to say analytics because that's, that's probably going a little bit too far, but his true shooting numbers were always better than people thought they were. Like, he was always sneaky efficient for what he actually seemed to be. Um, this year, his efficiency is down a little bit. Obviously, his usage was down a little bit as well. What's changed? Is it just that he's 34 years old and he's slowing down a little bit? Like, what do you make of where he is now as a, like, I guess, holistic offensive player? Yeah, I mean, he's getting to the free throw line less. Um, I think he just has a little bit of less spring in his set, but I also think that the transition from Doc Rivers to Ty Lu maybe didn't negatively impact any Clipper player within their role as much as it did uh, Lou Williams, where he he really was kind of given the keys with Doc, and he was asked to play a lot more of like a kind of pick your spots role under Ty Lu this season, and. You know, it just didn't seem a lot of the time to really be working for him. And even as he got into his rhythm a little bit more as the, you know, the Clippers got into the middle part of their season, it was actually a lot more when they, uh, you know, during the course of a long NBA season, you're going to go through stretches where you're missing two or three guys. And it seemed like when the Clippers were missing guys and they were like, okay, Lou, we need you to do the thing again. He was like, all right, all right, I'll do the thing. But when they needed him to do, you know, like kind of play on the wing and like, maybe not touch the ball every possession. And, you know, um, I, he's just, he's just better with the ball in his hands. Um, and he's, if you ask him to play with like, you know, I, this is what I think is going to be tricky. If he shares the court with Trey young is like, I don't really know how well he's going to play off of Trey young. I think that he can give Trey young a possession off, but, uh, it, I mean, it probably works better. Honestly, if, if Trey is spotting up for Lou, than if Lou is spotting up for Trey, because Lou doesn't, he just doesn't really move without the ball. That's never been a strength of his. Um, and so he's definitely a guy you want running your second unit. I just don't know, like trying to fit in as the kind of shooting guard on offense in a first unit environment. It just didn't seem to click for the Clippers this year. Yeah, that makes sense from what I have seen to obviously limited compared to you. Um, I noticed um, even looking at the numbers a little bit that his assist rate was down this year compared to the last yeah. few. Um, and it was it was actually kind of, I, higher than I thought it was higher than I thought it was the last few years. Like he had a 30 plus percent uh, oh, yeah. rate a few times mm-hmm. in a row, which is pretty impressive. And not that he's always been known as this great passer, but is he not, is he underrated as a passer? I think he, I think he probably is. <laughs> he is. He is underrated as a passer. He's a like, like I was saying, he's, he's a legitimately good um, pick and roll playmaker. And so this is part of the thing, you know, I'm sure that, that you and your listeners will be familiar that the conversation around the Clippers has been, they need a point guard. They need a point guard. They yep. need a point guard. But the problem is, you talk about like this trade to get Rajon Rondo. You talk, um, although Rondo Rondo's not necessarily the same type of run a hundred pick and rolls type of guy, but he is a good passer. But like the other trade that everyone wanted to talk about for the Clippers was uh, trade Lou Williams and go get George Hill. And whatever point guard means to you, George Hill is a worse pick and roll playmaker than Lou Williams. Yes, he is. He just is. Um, and I also think it's funny people throw that out there, but like George Hill has been considered a shooting guard. Uh, for big stretches of his career too. So, um, you know, I don't know what like a quote unquote real point guard seems to be um, more of a myth for the Clippers than an actual attainable acquisition. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's a really good passer. He legitimately is a good passer. He's great at finding the role man. Montrez Harrell, like should give him half of his sixth man of the year trophy from last season. Cause not only, not only were Lou and Trez like one a and one B for that award, but 
Lou created all of Lou's production and Lou created all of Trez's production. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you that. Um, you know, John Collins especially, but even Clint Capella, the Hawks have two really good pick and roll players. I think Collins especially is like pretty much elite at that. Um, I think it's at least possible that they're that part of the thinking here is that maybe they can pair uh, Lou with Lou with John some second units. Obviously, Collins is starting, but they can stagger those guys with uh, stagger stagger Collins and Trey a little bit, and maybe let Lou cook with someone like Collins, who, if anything, is probably even better than Trez is at that. And that's that's kind of scary if you kind of let those guys just kind of carry your second unit offense. Yeah, yeah, I think John Collins was a really exciting young player, and you know, kind of versatile. He's more versatile than Trez. Trez is though the one thing Trez is. When you talk about like actual like skill around the basket, he is probably one of the best like footwork and touch guys in the NBA today. Um, he, you know, you like I didn't really appreciate it until he started playing a little bit more for the Clippers and started getting a little, like more touches. But what he can do when he catches the ball at eight feet is not just like energy, hustle, athleticism. Like he is tremendously skilled. Um, but Collins is a little more versatile in terms of being able to shoot. And that will open up things a little bit more in the pick and roll. Lou Williams isn't um, – he's not a great downhill guy. Like obviously he's not an athletic dynamic finisher at the rim. Yeah. But he can get into that space and hit a variety of floaters, put shots high up off the glass, and find backdoor cutters. So it'll it'll open up the offense a little bit more. I think um, it might work a little bit better with Capella. He seems to be a little – just be a little more comfortable with a guy who's going to roll traditionally. So like – he even switching to playing with Evita Zubats instead of Montrez Harrell, those guys developed some good chemistry. But I feel like we've got fewer moments over the years of like Lou Williams and Jamichael Green, Lou Williams and Marcus Morris, uh, Lou Williams and Sergi Baca connecting. Obviously, he can still find those guys on the pick and pop. It's not like he's incapable of it, but it seemed like he really thrived in the connections with the more traditional rolling big bigs. That makes sense for sure, and I think uh, you know Hawks have a couple of those options, which which is certainly helpful. Um, I have to ask about the defense. Uh, Lou mm-hmm. is famously small, like six one, charitably, and like one hundred eighty pounds. Uh, and defensively, he's never been known as uh, a great defender. Uh, where is he at right now at thirty four years old? Because, like I said before, beyond the offensive questions, playing him with Trey um, defensively, it probably would not go very well. And I'm also just curious because. Um, you know, even without Trey, like, is he going to be someone that teams target a ton, uh, especially in the playoff environment? Because the Hawks, for the first time in a while, are also thinking playoffs on their own. So, was, you know, that's a, kind of a pivot also. But this part of this question is, like, is Lou someone that is going to get targeted on defense at this point in his career and especially in the playoffs? Well, he is going to get targeted on switches on defense um, that, you know, but I think also most NBA teams at any given point are fielding a lineup that includes a small playmaking guard who's going to get targeted yeah. for switches on defense. So so you you have to account for it. Uh, the thing with Lou is he's actually probably a better defender right now than he was when he first came to the Clippers, even though he's aged, because the way that his, his physical tools limit him defensively, but he's gotten smarter. Like he's gotten, he's picked up a little bit more of that like kind of veteran savvy. He knows when to dig in and get the steal on the guy backing down in the post. Um, and so... You know, in big games, he, he'll have like two or three steals in a game, even though his possession to possession defense might not be the most solid. Um, he kind of can make up for it in that way. And he's the kind of guy like, you know, people I, Clippers fans always want to talk about good defenders and bad defenders, right? Which of the team's guards are good and which of the team's guards are bad. But 
what you need sometimes is even if someone's not a great individual defender, do they have the quickness to defend at the point of attack um, compared to guys who might have good positioning but not that type of quickness? I don't think Lou has point of attack type quickness anymore. And the issue with him is when you put him off the ball and you ask him to rotate, there are times where he will rotate to the right spot and a 6'8 guy will just finish over him. Yeah. And there's nothing he can do about it. Um, but I don't think that it's like I don't think it's a it's a terrible thing. And I will say, like, regarding the playoff stuff, because you know, you mentioned the Clippers obviously are looking for playoff rondo. Not only offensively, where like Lou Williams has played 19 playoff games for the Clippers. He scored 30 plus in three of the 19, which is a pretty good rate for a guy coming off the bench. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he's had in the last two years, the Clippers have been in the playoffs, the highest individual scoring game and the highest individual assists game in each year. And in the Denver series where the Clippers lost so embarrassingly last season, they were a plus 10 net rating with Lou on the court and a minus 14 net rating with Lou off the court. Their offense was 20 points better when he played versus when he didn't. And their defense was four points better when he played versus when he didn't. So I do think Lou's going to get targeted defensively. Like that is going to be the game plan for other teams is if Lou Williams is playing a big role, they are going to hunt him on the pick and roll. Teams are also going to hunt Trey Young on the pick and roll. Um, but if you, you know, you have to counter scheme for that if you're the Atlanta Hawks and if you're Nate McMillan, but the same way that you'll have to for Trey. And then I think what he brings you on offense is going to be, you know, enough. It, it has been for the Clippers for the last few years. Like his, his defense is a weakness, but it's never actually manifested into the reason that they lost games. Yeah. I'm glad you said that stuff about his playoffs because I think the, public perception is that Lou is this playoff weakness because mm -hmm. and I, I think maybe that you know in theory that makes sense because he is a small guard those guys don't always scale up and um, you know obviously the Clippers have been looking for a point guard quote-unquote upgrade as you mentioned earlier for a long time but those numbers are not like they're not bad quite obviously they're, they're pretty good and even if there's some noise in there and small sample sizes like he wasn't killing them in the playoffs yeah. the way that you might have thought Basically. Yeah, you can't attribute that entire 24-point swing to him, obviously. But a lot of people will come to me and say, the Clippers had to trade Lou Williams. He was unplayable versus Denver. And my thing is, now you can say, like, who knows how much statistical noise is built into that. But if they won his minutes and lost when he sat, clearly the problem wasn't that he was unplayable. Um, so he's, you know, he's playable. You can, you can at the very least survive his minutes if you're competent around him. And that's kind of all the Hawks, I think, are looking for. Yeah. Um, I, I, I take a bunch of your time, uh, and I appreciate it. Uh, anything else that you think Hawks fans need to know? Obviously, Lou was here once before, um, but I know I know for a fact there's lots of like pretty new Hawks fans with Trey Young and this rebuild, and also you know it's it's been a little while. I remember that era very fondly, but. Anything else that people should know about Lou? Like, I know he's pretty entertaining as well as someone I've talked to. <laughs> uh, but any, any of that kind of stuff that you can add, uh, please feel free. I mean, Lou's just a great guy. I mean, he really is like, he's one of the, um, one of like the best, one of the best guys to come through for the Clippers kind of culturally in the last few years as they've transitioned from, you know, Chris Paul Blake Griffin to Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. They had those two seasons where they, they didn't have stars. Right. And Lou Williams, uh, in my view, I mean, obviously you've got Daniel Gallinari here during that time, who's uh, now with the Hawks, and you've got Tobias Harris here during that time. But Lou Williams was the Clippers' best player each of those two seasons, and he was a locker room leader each of those two seasons. Even into now, you know, he's been seen as a locker room leader by the guys this year. Uh, I do think, of course, that infamous 
strip club um, <laughs> quarantine last yeah. summer with the bubble cost him a lot of standing within the organization in terms of the front office feeling like he's a leader and he's someone that that they could rely on but in the locker room and in the fan base um he's always just been fantastic he's been great to interact with and you know sometimes like obviously you want your team to win but you also want to feel like you're rooting for you know good guys and i think lou williams is a good guy so uh, i'm i'm really really sad to see him go from la but i'm happy and excited for hawks fans i'm glad he's not retiring because uh I think it's good. I think he's just a good person to be in the league. I think it's good for the league to have him around. So uh, I, I really hope that he performs well there and gets some appreciation from Hawks fans in the backstretch of the season because uh, he certainly deserves it. And um, yeah, I mean, he's great. Yeah, that was, that's a good way to put it. It kind of echoes what I've heard as well. But uh, you covering in the last few years is certainly something that I, I value and hopefully people listening would value as well. Um, Lucas, please plug anything you'd like to. I know uh, you run a fantastic Clippers site that people not, I mean, obviously Hawks fans may not be like dialed in with Clippers, but maybe mm-hmm. they, maybe, there's, maybe there's some Rondo stands out there that want to follow. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the blog is 2and3hoops.com. You can find all of our podcasts on our 2and3hoops network if you just search two and three hoops in whatever podcast app you listen to all our shows will come up the big uh regular one is the lob the jam the podcast uh that we do you know a couple times a week and my twitter is at lucas j han the blog twitter is at two and three hoops follow lucas i appreciate you doing this my friend and uh subscribe to the podcast everybody and we'll see you all next time